Hello, lovely humans. I'm Wild Lee, and you are listening to Sex Stories, a podcast where we talk about sex so that people can lead better laid lives. My guest today, I am super excited to introduce to you, is Sarah Rose. Welcome. Hey, thanks for having me. So glad to be here. So glad to have you here. So I'm going to ask you a series of questions so our guests can get to know you better. What is your relationship status? I am currently single. Approximately what age or generation are you? I am a millennial. What is your gender identity? Female. What pronouns do you use? She, her. What is your sexual orientation? Bisexual. What is your profession? I am a men's sex coach. (laughs) Uh, Where did you grow up? I grew up in Phoenix, Arizona. What was your cultural or religious background, if it's relevant? Uh, Evangelical Christian. Okay. And is there anything else that has shaped your life or is important for people to know so they have context when they're hearing you talk about your stories? Yeah, I'd say my evangelical upbringing definitely influenced my life. And um, it's something that really helps me connect with people because so much of us that have grown up in Western society really have um, a lot of this influence in our life, whether or not that was exactly how we were raised or not, just the the Christian culture impacts all of our society. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it's, it's something that I'm really able, able to help people work through the issues that we have because of that, the sexual issues that we have. And there are Amazing. a lot of them. Oh my God. I'm so excited <laughs> to dive in. I want to hear about your work And first, I'd like to contextualize it in your early memories of hearing about or learning about sex. I don't even remember, like, first learning about sex. It must have just been something that I kind of learned from friends because Mm -hmm. it definitely was not talked about at home. Okay. Uh, And then as I got older in church, it was talked about in a negative way Mm -hmm. as, like, this is, you know, something to be avoided. Uh, And, you know, the Bible stories, I guess I would kind of get some idea of it from some of the Bible stories. But, but yeah, I don't, I can't really say like, this is exactly how I found out about sex. Mm -hmm. Like, I honestly don't even really know. Fair. Um, But it sounds like you remember some of the early feelings, if I'm hearing correctly, are shame or this idea of a no-no or something like that that feel accurate? Yeah, it was definitely something you don't talk about it. I mean, I was never told to not talk about it, but it was like, I knew I was never going to talk about it. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Like, it was just very much um, something not discussed, not acceptable. I absolutely knew it was something that I was not to engage in until I was married, uh, that type of thing. Yeah. So, what was it that made you decide to become a sex coach or what was your path there with as much personal detail as you feel comfortable sharing? Yeah, it's been uh, an interesting journey. So I actually was living in New York and I was in school at the Fashion Institute mm-hmm. and I was uh, I needed a credit in PE. And so I <laughs> so I joined, I did the yoga class for mm-hmm. my PE credit. Mm-hmm. And I really liked the yoga. And so it was something that, you know, I started when I was 18 and I continued doing it throughout the rest of my life. Um, and that journey 
led me to India where I um, actually trained in Tantra, white Tantra and Kundalini. And I uh, went to India a couple of times. The second time I was there, I was introduced to my guru and I started the tantric path at that point. And so through tantra, I really experienced so much of coming home to myself and coming into my body and realized that because of my religious upbringing, I'd been very disassociated from Mm -hmm. my body. Yeah. And it's not just Christianity. Like there are many religions that do this, that teach us that there's something wrong or something bad, something sinful about our bodies. And Tantra just shed all of that for me. And I came home to myself and I felt like just finally at peace, you yeah. know, with who I was, who I am. And um, I experienced a lot of sexual healing in the practice as well. And so then I decided that I was going to continue my education and became certified in a program that uh, certifies coaches as sex, love, and relationship coaches. But the premise of it all is to work with people through tantric practices. Mm. And so um, while I use many modalities to work with my clients, tantra is definitely one of the prominent ones because it's very, very effective at really helping people heal sexually and then become very vibrant sexually and to like (gasps) just have like this really yummy, juicy sexuality and be able to connect really deeply in intimacy. And that's really what we crave as humans. Yes. Um, Oh my God. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And I'm saying that so enthusiastically because I am newly back on the dating scene and feeling stumbly as fuck. Um, So for our listeners who maybe aren't as familiar with tantric practices, can you share a little bit about what they're like? Yeah. So it's um, really a lot of it is cultivating our sexual energy in a specific way. So usually for men, for instance, they will begin masturbating, you know, around age 12 or somewhere around there. And they'll start doing it in a way that becomes very habitual. And, um, often they're very hurried. They're kind of embarrassed by what they're doing. They don't want to get caught. So they're very quiet. Um, and they begin to habituate their body to orgasming in that way. Um, when they start watching porn, they start, um, habituating their brain to being, to experience sexuality through, um, that, that type of visual. And so, what I teach guys, I have an online program called Sex Stallion Training, and it teaches them how to masturbate in a new way. Mm-hmm. And so it's without the porn, and I'm not like bashing porn. Totally. It's just, if you want, if you want a different result, you've got to try something different, mm-hmm. right? And so it's and it's using techniques that I teach them um, of sound, movement, focus, and breath. Something that everyone has all human qualities, right? This isn't about being esoteric just because the words Tantra, it sounds kind of foreign. People get kind of weirded out. Yeah. They're like, Oh, you're so woo woo. And I'm like, Oh yeah. Yeah. But I grew up on a farm. I'm grounded. I promise. (laughs) I know exactly. Like I'm definitely not the woo woo type. It's like, look, breath, sound, focus, movement. We've all got it. We're all human. This is, this is part of us. So using these principles to help literally free their bodies from like 
they become like kind of caged in to these uh, specific patterns of experiencing sexuality. And so I help guys break through from that so they can really have amazing sex. So um, they start with uh, locating their PC muscle, strengthening that. And then uh, edging is the next practice I lead them through. So that way they learn how to ride the wave of pleasure Mm -hmm. rather than just going straight for the orgasm and being super goal oriented there. It's like up and down and really like learning that there's pleasure in that whole experience. Mm -hmm. And then I teach them about how orgasm and ejaculation, they're actually two separate acts and orgasm happens slightly before ejaculation. And so with a strong PC muscle, they can learn to orgasm and keep that separate from the ejaculation. So that way they're able to have multiple orgasms and full body orgasms. So cool. Who doesn't want to learn that? I know, right? And guys, I mean, I get messages from so many guys. They're so excited. Like the women that have sex with them are like, I had no idea this even existed. Like, guy, I've never been pleased like by a guy like this before. Yeah. And, yeah. So the women are happy. The men are happy. Everyone's happy. <laughs> that is fantastic. And you are truly doing great work in this world. So thank you for thank that. Thank you. Can I ask, how long have you been doing this? Yeah. So it's been, like I said, a several, I mean, it's been a journey. An evolution, sure. 18, right? Because like tantra, or I mean, yoga is great. It's mm-hmm. at starting to help you um, experience energy, like to be able to feel mm-hmm. subtle energies. And so that practice, but India, I went to India for the first time in 2013 mm-hmm. and really started my training then. Uh, so yeah, it's been several years that have been doing this. And then The clients that find you, it sounds like you can work with them from all over, or do you also see people in person? Uh, So I do have clients around the world. So yeah, Sex Stallion Training is um, an online audio and video course that they get. Uh, I actually got a message from a guy today that did uh, Pussyology, which is just like a a video guide showing guys the different pleasure spots on on a pussy. And he was like, oh, my God. He's like, I can't wait to do your next courses because that one I got such great results from. So, <laughs> wow. I also just uh, want to point out for listeners that there is clearly something to trying, to making an effort, to putting intention, to not. I know for me, myself, a lot of my work, work, my journey around sex has has been so wrapped up in shame and fear and feeling like maybe things aren't good enough, but also doing nothing about that because I just didn't know what to do. So it sounds like people are coming to you with kind of an open mind and open heart and a eagerness to improve. Well, and there were a lot of guys are coming to me because they're really struggling with Mm -hmm. specific issues and, you know, they've been to their doctor and they've checked it out and the doctor's like, you know, this really isn't physiological. A lot of this is in, this is in your head. And so I'm able to help them with the emotional and the psychological component of the Mm -hmm. things they're dealing with. So porn addiction, erectile dysfunction, uh, premature ejaculation, delayed ejaculation, like those things all have actually very similar roots when it comes to the psychological components of them. Mm -hmm. And so I'm able to help with guys around those issues where they just feel like, oh my God, I don't know what to do. Like my doctor can't help me, you know, things like that. Yeah. I help a lot of them 
there. So they come to me with this need, but then what they experience is so much more. Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's amazing because they're like, they kind of come to me just hoping I'll be able to fix things, you know, and they can get back to like how it used to be or whatever. And then, but what they get is like, total fucking expansion Mm -hmm. of like this whole new realm of sexuality that they didn't even know existed. Wow. So it's pretty awesome. That is amazing. So you work primarily with men, it sounds like, but do you ever also engage with, if indirectly, their partners? Like what is that dynamic like? Uh, So I do offer couples coaching, private coaching. um, And then I also, I live in Austin, Texas. And so there's um, a group that I will do every fall. It's a 12-week in-person course for women. Mm -hmm. And so that's really great because we've got such awesome community of women here in Austin. And I just love being able to really empower and keep this community of women growing. And it's kind of like, yeah, these are these are like my girls and I just it it nourishes me. I mean, I love having the 12 weeks with them more than anything, honestly. <laughs> yeah, totally. Uh, yeah, so I do offer that and then I have a group coaching program um where guys can actually get on a call with me once mm-hmm. a week and we do it for 6 months and they'll get the advanced practices they get to ask questions talk about things that are going on in their lives and you know get the the more one-on-one per- personal approach to it but yeah Great. so that's international also so I get to work with guys around the world with all of those those three courses amazing so if somebody was listening was curious to work with you, can you outline for us what a one-on-one session might be like? I know they're all going to be different and unique, but is there kind of just like a general, where do you start? Uh, So in the group coaching program, they'll submit their questions beforehand. Mm -hmm. And um, that way I can, you know, know what's coming up and I'll be able to address all of that and then, you know, talk with them individually when if needed, if they need to discuss it more. Uh, and then I'll lead them through a practice. And so the practices really vary widely. So, um, it could be like an advanced tantric practice where I'm leading in them through actually, um, moving the energy through their body in the different patterns and using their breath and their focus to, to help do this. Mm-hmm. Um, or it could be something like I've got, um, a program or a practice where I actually teach them or instruct them to thrust in the opposite way of what they usually do. What? Yeah. Just to get them out of their heads and to, to realize like, okay, I don't, always have to have sex in this way, you know, because it's that pattern is being habituated and it's like, Oh wait, I have to actually think about this. I have to be present. I need to be conscious right now really brings them into the moment with that. Yes. So yeah, there are a lot of things we'll do work around the relationship with their mother. Uh, we'll do different practices that really go into how society has impacted them sexually uh, there's a lot of stuff we do, but That's it's really amazing. very effective. And it sounds like from what I'm hearing that it could benefit both people who identify as straight and gay, slowing your body down, thrusting. That seems like stuff that can go both directions. Do you ever focus on, like, do you talk about butt stuff is what I'm trying to ask? <laughs> like with men. Yeah, so, I mean, I will say that my audience is not gay men and okay. it's not that the practices don't. Um, work for them. But I find that gay men 
usually enjoy learning from other gay men and there are other coaches that specialize in working with gay men. And so, yeah, it's more of just like, you know, I've got my niche. I know what I'm like really great at and I'm cool with that. (laughs) Are there any specifics that you can share with us about some experiences you've had, not violating confidence of anyone, but do you have any general wisdom with our listenership that you can share? Uh, Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I definitely have some reviews on my website that like clients have let me make public and sometimes they'll let me post things on Instagram as long as I like use a fake name. Totally. (laughs) But yeah, I've worked with guys that have had premature ejaculation and to the point where you know, their partners have actually left them because of this and they're able to, to, through these practices, really get control of their, their orgasm, of their ejaculation and be able to have multiple orgasms last for hours without ejaculating. And so like this, like they, you know, guys that have had like really serious things, I've had guys say to me like that they're told that their big dicks have gotten bigger from doing (laughs) these practices, which, you know, I am always telling guys, don't worry about your dick size, no matter how many times I say it, they're not going to fucking listen to me. And so (laughs) if I, but the one time I say you know, a guy said that this can increase your dick size. Then they're all like, Oh my God, my dick can be bigger. I'm like, How many times did I say not to fucking worry about that? You just completely ignored me. <laughs> but they, they fixate it. They fixate on it. I get it. I get it. They really do. <laughs> I'm always like, if I can satisfy a woman with no dick, yeah. you should be able to, no matter what your dick size is. Totally. So. On that note, In the work that you do, do you talk about communication at all? Because I am experiencing with the new people I'm going out with that I'm having to initiate every single conversation around sex. And maybe it's because I'm doing it too fast, whatever too fast means. But I'm just like, so what do you like sexually? And and the responses I'm getting are in general sort of like, oh, uh, uh," and then they get to it. But there's sort of this, I don't know. Is that something that comes up at all? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And the reason for that is we begin to form our identities around sexuality as children, Mm -hmm. because that's when we start to first, you know, get this idea of what sex is. And most people like myself were, you know, introduced to sexuality in a way of like, we don't talk about this. And so like, when you try and talk about it, it's like, you know, like, I'm not supposed to talk about this, because we still have that identity that was formed as a child. Yeah. And so, you know, it's about creating a new sexual identity as an adult that you can, you know, flourish in and be like, hey, yeah, like, I'm actually a grown up now. I don't have to have that same identity that I had as a child. Yeah, yeah, totally. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. And do you give any specific advice when it comes to actually speaking words to partners? Mm -hmm. There are different communication exercises that I give to people that can really help them. And one of the things is as simple as sitting across from each other, um, knee to knee, eye to eye, and setting a timer. And uh, you can do as little as two minutes or you can do five minutes. Mm -hmm. Um, And partner, so you'll start with um, him asking her, what are your deepest desires? And for, I'm sorry, we're going to actually start with what are your deepest fears? Mm -hmm. And then for the duration of that time, he just listens to her and he doesn't respond. He doesn't make any 
faces. He doesn't murmur or anything. He's just holding space and letting Mm. her express what her deepest fears are. And then they reverse and she does the same for him. And then they reverse again. And he says to her, what are your deepest desires? And then she's able to express her desires in the same way. And so this just gives couples the space to begin to communicating in a judgment-free zone um, where they can just have the time and they're setting the intention we're going to express right now. And it just opens that up. And so much comes out of it because we hold in so much. We hold in these fears, we hold in these desires, and we lock ourselves down in these prisons that we really don't need to be locked down in. Like yeah. when, like, why can't we just express, right? Especially yes. when we first get into relationship with somebody, usually what we're attracted to in them are the things that we begin to draw back from because we want to save the relationship. We're afraid yeah. if we say something, if we do something, going to harm the relationship. And just by holding back and not communicating, we're harming the relationship. Yes. Oh my God. Yes. For me, I am a person who dabbles in polyamorous relationships, but something I've been noticing lately is I am not particularly enjoying engaging in partnerships that include don't ask, don't tell clauses. And I understand that works for some people, but it reminds me of what you're saying because it's sort of like holding back that information I experience as a distancing mechanism from my partner. Mm. And so I'm wondering if opening up that little bit of communication in your experience, do you see it affecting other areas of their lives as well? You know, I do think that that is um, personal preference. It's something in particular for each couple to determine on their own. You know, I definitely do see the value in, um, the don't ask, don't tell it's kind of, and from my perspective, where that comes from is not necessarily hiding, but it's more of mimicking in nature what goes on. Right. So like if you seek, um, couples in nature that pair bond, they, um, most of them have what scientists call extra pair copulation. And so that means that they're not actually monogamous, even though they may be together for life in this pair bond there, there will be, you know, other animals that come along that they end up having sex with. Well, they don't bring that third into the relationship, right? It's like they go do their thing and then they come back and they're not like, really sitting around having this whole big conversation about it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, um, so it's kind of like, there's that component of it where it's almost like we, we tend to make sex like a really big deal. And I think in situations where don't ask, don't tell is uh, effective is when you're not making sex such a big deal. Mm -hmm. Right. So Mm -hmm. it's like, if the couple is really just like, like, it's just sex. And like, it truly, truly is. Then I think don't ask, don't tell is totally fine. But if it's something where like, okay, this is something that's pressing on me. Like I kind of feel a distance from you and it's, then it is something that needs to be talked about. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's, and you can sense that in the relationship of like, like, you know, if I'm with a guy and I really don't give a fuck, like who he had sex with last night, like, mm-hmm. and I really just like, I'm busy with work and I don't need to deal with it I, or not even deal with it, but I don't need to hear about it because like, 
I really just like, it's cool. Like, you know, you're your own person, like go do your own thing compared to like, you know, I'm kind of feeling like there's something going on in the relationship. Is there someone yeah. that you've been sleeping? Is there someone you've been sleeping with? Like, is there a connection forming? Do we want to talk about this? That's the part you know? that I think is such a key distinction that you just made is the difference between connection forming or like, are you just fucking? And that I think yeah. is, yeah. Cause like, you're right. Animals aren't sitting around. I mean, they aren't sitting around talking about anything as far as we know, right. you know, they have their <laughs> yeah. ways of communication and so do we, but yeah, yeah. that's such a great point. Yeah. So, so yeah, I think it just really depends on, on the situation, on the couple. What is it like to be in the world and to meet new people and tell them that this is the work you do? <laughs> like what kinds of responses do you get? I am pretty much just interviewed 24 <laughs> seven. Do you, do yeah. you get tired of the amount of teaching energy I imagine that might take? Uh, it does take a lot of teaching energy. I don't necessarily get tired of it because I love what I do and I'm so passionate about it, but it's also nice. Like I, a couple years ago, there was, um, actually a dominant that I wanted to work with and he was in New York and he was having a class. And so like, I literally bought my ticket, like, under a different name and didn't tell anyone I was going and went and I sat in the back row and like just got to be a student, you know? And <laughs> yes. like but even there there were people that recognized me and I was like, oh my God. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's such a good point. Yeah. That is such uh, a good point. Wow. I know. But but even so it was nice just to like get to sit back and learn from someone else and not be the teacher and uh but the the funny thing is now we're actually collaborating and we're gonna do a course together (laughs) wonderful though (laughs) I know yeah it's it's awesome it's great to start from a from the from the student standpoint and then let whatever happens grow that's fucking good um can you do you want to plug that what is it what if we're I'm interested what is it yeah so uh it's it's actually going to be here in Austin it's a two-day course uh November 16th and 17th and it's called becoming the dominant man Mm. and so we're teaching guys how to tap into that dominant energy in a very very conscious way Uh, so you know a lot of guys that are interested in like domination they they kind of get in their head about it and it's more like let's let's embody this you know and it doesn't have to be about bdsm you know it's not like you know, using whips or paddles or anything like that, those things are all possible, but you can be a dominant man in bed without using all of that. And it's about how the modern woman, like we have these advanced cortexes, right. That are like telling us like, this is what we want. This is what we're looking for. And then, but we're also driven by our primal brain. So there can often be a disconnect there. And so like really helping guys to understand that with a woman and to be able to, which I love this, he, what he says is handle your woman. And it's like the most triggering phrase for feminists, but I'm like, they may not like how it sounds, but they're sure going to like how it feels. (laughs) Interesting that you say that because, oh, this is a question that I get frequently. So I am on this podcast, openly a kinky submissive. And I talked about Uh the two-year relationship I had with my master and we had such a lovely, I would say we were 
fairly formal, but also very integrated, like life-wise. And he was married. So we had like a removed situation where we'd see each other like once a week. And people were like, well, how can you be a feminist? Like I have a hat that says feminist that I wear all the time and still be a kinky submissive. And I was like, the submissive is in control and he's holding space for me and he can fuck me and say all these dirty things to me. And I am like so happy to do whatever he wants, past tense, wanted. But at the end of the day, I also am cherished and appreciated and held and I get to completely relax because I'm not worried about whatever's happening. And that is a piece that as I'm, you know, on on the search for new partnership, I can see I can see myself making other people a little bit nervous because I guess because I am now talking to people about sex so much. And so it's this kind of funny. Would you feel comfortable sharing about how this work has impacted your personal life? Not necessarily in great detail, but just like relationship dynamic wise. I, well, it's really difficult to find a man that really embodies this. So, um, (laughs) yeah, it's definitely, um, it's not something that I experience very often. And so I appreciate the opportunities that I get to, um, be with Ohm because he really holds that space in a very grounded way. And it's rare. It's not Mm -hmm. really something that I come across. So I'm excited that we get to work together to train guys in this. It's awesome. You know, because I'm a strong female, I'm a feminist, I own my own business. And in many ways, like I am the dominant in my work when Mm -hmm. I'm working with these Mm men, you know, like I really have to hold strong space. And so for me, like in my personal life, when I'm able to surrender, when I'm able to relax to somebody else, it feels, it's nice. It's It's really nice. Delicious. Yeah. You're like, yes, thank you. (laughs) Exactly. Yes. Take over. So in that class, are you working with people potentially of all experience levels or what has your experience been? Oh no, this is your first time doing it, huh? Yeah, so this is our first time doing this class, uh, but both Ohm and I have worked with a lot of people separately, and we definitely are able to work with people of all levels. Mm-hmm. Um, so people that may have more experience can come in and take it further, or people yeah. that are new can come in and kind of get their feet wet with it. That's awesome. Yeah. What does it feel like in the container space of a group of dudes talking about sex? Because that's something that I have yet to experience, and I think circles of vulnerability are always kind of magical. And I am so curious what, what it's like to be in one that's heavily dude oriented. Yeah. I mean, it's something that a lot of guys are afraid to do and it's unfortunate because that's just part of the societal conditioning that I'm trying to help them break through. Yeah. And so the ones that actually do break through that, it's really great to see their vulnerability and their authenticity. And they're, they're really there because of their willingness to show up. Like they're actually truly desiring to have change and transformation in their lives. And so it's really awesome when that happens to like just see how guys can level up and really rise up together. And it's, it's humbling for me. Like I feel really honored to be, to be allowed to be a part of that experience. That's awesome. Something I've been talking about with people lately is my, I guess life mission has kind of unfolded as I'm doing this podcast to shift 
the current idea of romance from this kind of classic heteronormative chasing dynamic where guys are like, please, please, please. They're like, I want you, I want you, I want you. And women are like, no, 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 until they say yes. So my sense is that like media has told us forever based on storylines that that is romance, that that is sexy, that that's how we play the dance. And I believe we are in a time where that is outdated and antiquated because we are, we've had a sexual revolution. Women are allowed to say, yes, I want sex. But that, like the trappings of that are hanging on. You know, like, do you know the controversy around Baby It's Cold Outside? People are like, that's a rapey song. But actually it's, it's the context of the time because back mid-century, a woman could not safely be like, please spend the night. You know, so it's really this delicious dance. I believe that that is, an antiquated practice and I'm trying to shift the cultural conversation and the romance to have the tension that we experience because there is, I think, a delicious tension in that push and pull, but I think it's possible to have that in explicit, explicitly communicated consensual sexual contexts. Because I think the other thing, I think the chasing dynamic contributes to rape situations and the gray area that we're having a struggle with. You have more professional experience. Do you think it's possible to make super explicit communication the new romantic? <laughs> I think we have to. I think I we have we to, have. right? Okay. Phew. Yeah. Yeah. We really don't have any choice around that. It's definitely something that has to be done. Uh, you know, and it's part of becoming grownups, having the grown up identity around sexuality rather than the childish one that we may have been raised with before. Uh, and, but that doesn't mean that the dynamic has to change between us because the polarity is important. The, the sense yeah. of desire is important. The yes. erotic is really important. And so we definitely, it's like, it's, there's the dance around all of that. And and you can even kind of see it as like putting on different hats in a way of like, all right, I'm going to like put on the analytical hat for a second. And like the really like pragmatic part of me is going to step in here and we're going to have like the conversation around this. I mean, and this is something that, um, I mean, just a couple of days ago, like that I was doing with a guy, like, you know, we're, we haven't seen each other in like a year and it was like, so good to see you. And like, oh my God, like we're just getting to be comfortable in each other's space again and all that. And things start to get heated. And then it's like, all right, let's step out of this for a second and let's talk logistics. Let's talk yeah. STDs. Where are you at with this? You know, like, let's talk, let's talk protection. And like, this is somebody that I've been able to have these conversations with before. So this is normal for us, you know, but it's like, all right. So we have this conversation, close that back up and like, you can move back into like the heat, the passion. And then we had like fucking incredible sex after that. So it doesn't have to be like, you just lose all of that, you know? Yeah. Um, but it's just, it's like, all right, we got to be mature. we got to be responsible. And yeah, yeah, it's just part of life. I love um, what you said about desire, because I think sometimes when I'm like, I, I want there to not be this creepy chasing dynamic. To me, it doesn't mean that there can't be a chase. It's just like we've checked in and made sure that like we both want the chase or like we both want some sort of tension. Um, something I'm experiencing in my personal life as of this week is I love to send nudes. I post nude photos on my personal Instagram a lot. And when I am like 
engaging with a lover or potential lover, I love to take nude pictures and send them. And lately I've been getting some really like lukewarm responses, like, like the tap back thumbs up to a nude. Okay. What Uh would you tell one of your clients, uh, around responding to a woman who's very excited about sending nudes? (laughs) Well, I mean, I guess first off, we do have to have this conversation now because unsolicited nudes are now illegal. Oh, yeah. At least, yeah, at least in Texas. I don't know if that went, like, everywhere, but I I know in Texas they're, okay, they're illegal. And so I want to add a clear frame. I have asked them if they enjoy nudes. They okay, say yes, so, they want them, and then I'm getting responses that are just like, uh, and and each time I'm like, do you still want these? And they're like, yeah, and I'm just like, well, I think I'm gonna just stop. But okay, I would stop if I were you <laughs> and be like, <laughs> I'm not getting the, the response because you want that, like, oh my god, fuck yeah, you're so amazing. Oh, you're hot, like you're yeah, just oh, like, I'm blow, yeah. like I'm gonna blow my load right now just yeah. looking at your photo, like just like any sort of positive response that's better than like a thumbs up like fuck you yeah exactly (laughs) so if i were you i would stop and be like and then if you say hey what happened like dude like just not feeling it from you (laughs) yeah i think there's some uh proper response to be had there all right uh absolutely i definitely feel you there Do you ever talk with your clients about them sending nudes to partners? Like, do guys talk about, like, what what kind of nudes should I send? Or, like, does that ever come up? You know, that actually hasn't come up before, interestingly. Uh, yeah. I don't know why. I, I don't know. I mean, maybe it takes a person who's like, what about nudes? Because <laughs> I'm, I, yeah. <laughs> I love them. Um, what else has come up in this work that, you know, might be surprising to us or might be some of your favorite things or maybe even least favorite things about some of what you experience in this work? Uh, I just really enjoy getting to know people on this level. Like it's a really, like I said before, it's very humbling and it's very much an honor for people to allow me into this part of their lives because it's very, very sensitive. And uh, it's something that I really have great respect for. And so Um, so many people are really afraid to even start this conversation and the depths of which I'm allowed in is really an honor. Um, so I'd say that's my, my favorite part of it. And also seeing how we're all so very similar, you know, there's so much out there right now that's really trying to divide us. Mm -hmm. And when really we're just very, very similar, like the guys I work with, have as many sexual hangups as the women do. They yeah. haven't got they haven't gotten a better deal in this whole thing. They've gotten just as bad of a deal as we have. It's just expressed in a different way. Mm-hmm. And you know, I get that there is toxic masculinity, but there's toxic femininity. Mm-hmm. You know, it's go it's on both sides of the equation. Yes, there are the rapists in culture, but there are a lot of guys that are not and they are they're suffering from yeah. the guys that, that are doing that shit, you know? And so we need to not just label that all men are this, or this is what the masculine is because it's not, it's certain people, it's certain individuals and they can come in many different forms. Yeah. Do you believe that 
the way our current culture operates does set men up for failure in the in the sort of like new wave of interpersonal relationships. And what I mean is I'm experiencing questions from a lot of men who are like, oh, I don't know how to behave anymore. Like, I hear that I'm supposed to be dominant, but I can't be because I don't want to be rapey and I want to be a good guy. But then I'm like being too nice and I get friend zoned. So do you think that that it's part of a larger cultural conversation? Oh, yeah, it absolutely is. And all of what you're saying is absolutely true. Like they are trying to fucking navigate this and they don't know how. And so a lot of them are just giving up. They're like, I, I give up. Done. Like, I, I'm not going to spend all this time, you know, on dating websites, finally getting some chick to say yes. I go out and spend 50 bucks on a date and then I never hear from her again or she's a bitch or whatever. You know what I mean? And so, like, mm-hmm. a lot of guys are just, like, done. Like, I don't even want to yeah. try anymore. And so it sucks because, like, ultimately, like, we're mammals and we're designed for this this hu- this connection with the other and like we, we truly desire it and yeah. people are just really suffering right now. So I'm grateful for the work that I do with people because I know that it really helps. Mm-hmm. Um, it helps a lot. And, but it takes more than me. <laughs> we need a lot totally. of this. <laughs> totally. What do you think are some of the larger shifts that might have to happen? Like if we're just brainstorming, talking about it and also like, I don't know, I don't know the answers, but I'm just, I love talking about this and that's something I've been thinking about a lot lately. Yeah. And it really comes down to the individuals involved. You know, it's because when we talk about things in broad contexts, then there's a lot of room for miscommunication. There's a lot of room for error. And we try Mm -hmm. to do a one size fits all. It's not going to work. But when you're talking about the individual, the two people involved in that moment, that's really where the focus needs to be in helping people to, to learn how to navigate different situations. And so, you know, if he's getting clear signs from her that it's a no, then, you know, it's a no, yeah. you know, like you don't need to push that's, it. That's a one size fits all that I think does fit like, yeah. you know, or like explicit <laughs> right. communication to check in like, Hey, I'm getting a no from you. Is that a no? I think that's something, I think those are the types of ideas that are not yet mainstream that could help us. Yeah. But then beyond that, you know, different women are going to respond to different things. Like Mm, some women are going to respond to a more dominant man better. And some women are going to be really turned off by that. And so like, and sometimes maybe those two people are just not going to be a good fit for each other and that's okay. You know, and you just walk away and say better luck next time. Um, (laughs) rather than trying to, you know, fit, just trying to push it. But but yeah, just communication, body language, just noticing, is she leaning into you? Does she want more of you? Like what it, you know, but then also noticing like, has she had too much to drink? Like this is not a, this is not a good time to go there and being responsible around that as well. And like, Hey, we had, had a great time. Uh, I'll see you. Let's go out again next weekend. But you know, not taking advantage of a situation if she has had too much to drink. Yeah. you know, and just being responsible, you know, mm-hmm. we're, we're fucking grownups now. Like yeah. Yeah. <laughs> act like it. Yeah. It's really not rocket science. Just act like a grown up. <laughs> mm-hmm. Love that. For people who maybe aren't terribly familiar with these concepts, do you want to quickly just outline a couple of key points of toxic masculinity, toxic femininity? Yeah. Well, it all comes from insecurity and that is really the root of it. It is absolutely based in insecurity and it's lashing out others 
from that space of insecurity and you, it's, you just see it everywhere. People um, that have shut down their sexuality that are lashing out at, at those that are expressing their sexuality, yeah. um, you know, people, men that feel threatened um, by homosexuals, maybe because like they would enjoy, they might want to try anal sex and they just feel threatened that the gay guys get to do it. I mean, it comes up in so many different forms, right? You yeah. know, and when you ultimately look at it, it's all pretty stupid. It's like, <laughs> just like, just let people do their thing, you know? But yeah, a lot of it is just judgment towards others. That's completely unnecessary. Like, why do we, why do we need that? Just yeah. like, yeah, do your thing. I do mine. Totally. A question I got recently from a listener had to do with a lot of disappointment around making efforts, and his takeaway was, don't I deserve sex? Don't I deserve a relationship? I'm wondering how often you hear statements like that, if ever. And what do you Uh, tell those people? (laughs) Yeah. Um a lot of guys are suffering. They really are. Like they feel very isolated. They feel like they are being rejected over and over. And that's where I think, uh, the whole dating app thing can be detrimental to certain men is because I've heard from guys where they literally will swipe on every single woman and not get a single response. And so those feelings of rejection just build, 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 build. And it's, it can be, it can, it can be really difficult for them. Um, so I'd suggest getting off the apps (laughs) there. Um, (laughs) Go into the real world. Stare into into a real eyeball. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, there are ways, one of my buddies, he does Tantra speed dating around the Mm. country. He goes to different cities. Yeah. And, um, you pay to attend. Everyone has to pay a fee. They go in and it's an entire night of connection exercises. And so you may have heard the person's name once at the beginning, but you don't really know, you know, they describe their a little bit about themselves, but you don't really know this person, but you're getting to look them in the eye. You're getting to laugh with them. You're getting to experience touch with them, consensual touch. And, you know, these are the things that make us human. These are the things that we really crave. And so in that moment, you get to feel magic with somebody else. And that's so much better because you get, you go beyond the photo, you know, like what is in a photo? It's, you know, clickbait, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like, you know, like let's go beyond that. Like let's actually touch each other. So I definitely recommend that it's Tantra speed dating. Uh, what is this company called? I want to say it's the Tantric university, but, um, but just anyone that Googles Tantra speed dating should be able to find it. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah, they're great. A lot of fun. Yeah, that sounds really cool. Going forward, what do you hope to do with your work in the world? I just want to keep reaching more people, mm-hmm. really. That's that's the goal, is to reach as many people as possible and to, to really help people understand that there's so much more available to them when it comes to sexuality yeah. and that the limited like movements, the limited experiences that we have Like they're just not serving us. They're not doing us justice. And 
like just to be able to expand people's horizons in this realm. Yeah. yeah. Beautiful. Okay. So if you want to play, let's do a little lightning round. All right. Age you first discovered masturbation. I remember finding my vagina when I was probably like four or five. And it was one of those moments where I was like, what is this? No one told me there was a hole there. Like, (laughs) (laughs) that's amazing. (laughs) I was like, what the hell? Like, why did no one tell me about this? Yeah. I definitely thought my vagina was a vulva until I was way too old. Like, I think I was like eight or 10 before I was like, oh, multiple holes. Oh, 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 not a urethra. Got it. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Age you first had sex with another person, and how do you define sex? So, as far as intercourse, I was 18. Cool. Yeah. If you had to rate yourself on a sexual shameometer, with one being shameless and 10 being so full of shame, where do you think you fall today in this moment? Uh, definitely shameless. <laughs> <laughs> What's your current relationship with sex like? Uh, sex with myself is amazing and I love it. And sex with partners, it kind of varies. It's like, um, it can be difficult to find people that are able to have sex the way that I really like to have sex. And so that can be more rare. So I'm often most satisfied by myself. (laughs) But uh, when I do find the ones that I can really connect with on a level that I want to connect with, it's incredible. Do you feel comfortable sharing the type of sex you wish you were having? Yeah, in tantric sex where it's... So what happens in tantric sex is two people that have their activated kundalini. So just like that life force energy is really activated. Um, having sex from that place is just, I mean, there's really, it's hard to even explain in words because it's just something that's very much, you feel it. Um, it's electricity going shooting through your body. It's like literally like feeling him inside of me. Mm. Um, like his energy activating with mine is just, I don't know. I wish I had better words to describe it and (laughs) it's hard. Um, but, but yeah, it's like you get to that place and a whole new world opens up Mm -hmm. where it's not even about sex anymore. Mm -hmm. It's just completely like this surreal almost experience of, just being intimate with somebody else, but it's like soul to soul connection rather than the physical connection. Yeah. 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 But it sounds like it's all of it too. And it's like, they activate each other. They do. Yeah. But it's so much less like, it's almost like not even feeling the physical because the physical is almost just like the stimulant in a way for, for all the other stuff that's happening. Yeah. Beautiful. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Uh, how do you talk with partners about sex ahead of time, including protection? Uh, 
Yeah. I mean, it's just a conversation to be had, especially with my work. It comes up very early in the conversation. Um, and it's, it, I, I guess just being open about it, you know, just like using condoms and, um, STD tests and other partners, things like that. Um, just talk about it. Great. Did you get a yeah. sex talk? I was given a book. Okay. Do you yes. remember what book? <laughs> I don't remember what it was called. Okay. Now. <laughs> Do you remember if you had sex ed in school? We did not have sex ed. I was at a private Christian school and there was no sex ed. Wow. Um, orgasms. Is it easy for you? Are you a tough cum? What gets you off? Uh, it's very easy for me to orgasm. I mean, I can literally orgasm just by thinking about it. So it's something when, that... When did you acquire that skill? <laughs> this has been over the last several years. Amazing. Yeah. I feel like people are going to yeah. hear this episode and maybe go out and study some Tantra. <laughs> 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 just to guess. Just to guess. Um Let's see. Okay. Thoughts on blowjobs, cunnilingus, butt stuff? Uh-huh. Yeah. Love it all. <laughs> Great. <laughs> um, the more the merrier. Great. I love that. I love that. Multiple partners at the same time. Would you consider it? What do you like? What do you not like? Et cetera. Yeah, for sure. Um, it's definitely something that I enjoy in the right setting. Mm -hmm. I find that it's difficult. So most men prefer it to be two women and one man. Mm -hmm. Um, but I find that it's difficult for most men to satisfy one woman, much less two. <laughs> and yes. so it's actually not very enjoyable for the women involved. Unless um, the dude is super good at holding space. In my personal experience, I've had a, my best threesome with, was like a dom who was like, you do this and you do this. And we were, it was like, we were doing a ballet. It was amazing. <laughs> yes. And I have had, um, very, very good threesome where, um, he wasn't even telling us what to do. He was just literally able to take care of us both. Mm, and amazing. it was like, I was like, dude, you're fucking Superman. Like <laughs> <laughs> amazing. Yeah. So, good. Um, so, so I'm open to them. I just want it to be enjoyable. Uh, and it's not like I have any hangups around it. It's just like, you know, is yeah. this going to be good or not? Yeah. <laughs> Um, any thoughts on or experiences with sex parties? You know, sex parties aren't really my thing. I like to kind of know who's going to be there. And mm -hmm. I think also just being kind of a public figure. I oh, have, good point. Um, yeah, yeah. It, it's yeah, a little weird. bit weird, like, walking into a space and, you know, like, oh, you know, like, I don't know. It's just no, it's a little bit weird for me. That's some, like, pressure um, and creates, I feel like, expectations or something. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like a lot of like curiosity. Yes. Like, yes. does she have sex? And yes, totally. Yeah. Um, what are some sexual turnoffs for you? Um, I don't have many, honestly. Uh, <laughs> usually, first things usually turn me on. Um, <laughs> but I guess sexual turnoffs are. I don't like it actually when we've agreed to condoms and then he pushes it during sex. Oh, like yeah. that's, that's definitely a turn off for me. If you know, he kind of changes course mid sex yeah. and Bound I'm like boundary pushing is not sexy. 
no, it's really not at all. Um, so that, that's a big thing. Yeah. It's like, you know, if we've established some things, you need to stick with that. Yeah. Do you have sex dreams, like actual dreams you dream about? Is there sex in them? And have you ever orgasmed? And do you think you're orgasming in real life? Uh, okay. So yes, I have had sex dreams. I don't usually dream a lot. So oh. it's not something that I do all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, I've definitely orgasmed in my dreams. And yes, I do think it's actually happening in real life. <laughs> so cool. Because I've only had one orgasm dream and it was a few months ago and I was like, oh, I wonder what was happening. So that's just yeah. curious. Um, I mean, that's what I think. I yeah. don't know for sure. That's just my thoughts on totally. it. <laughs> well, I, I will say just this morning, I was having a dream in which I had bad period cramps. And that's not something I grew up having, but in the last two years started getting cramps. And then I woke up this morning and like an hour later started my period and have cramps. And I was like, ah, huh. So maybe I was orgasm. Yeah. When do you feel most in touch with your body? Uh, I would say probably during my tantric masturbation practices, like really it's just like me and me and going deep with myself. Beautiful. And is that something yeah. you teach in one of your courses? Oh, yeah. I teach it actually in all of my courses. Uh, I think it's very, very important for people. And it's especially, it's important when you're solo. And it's just as important when you're in relationship. Because mm-hmm. especially in monogamous relationships, expecting um, two people to always want to have sex at the same time is yeah. very unrealistic. And oh, it puts yeah. pressure on the relationship. And it causes people to say yes when their body says no. Yeah. And so having the space in the relationship for it to be good and healthy for you to have your own sex with yourself is really a good thing for you and for the relationship. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Yeah. Future hopes, goals, or dreams for your own sex life? Hmm. I definitely need... I mean, this is why I started my company, Tantric Activation, is to, like, create more tantric lovers in the world. So it was, mm-hmm. like, super selfish endeavor because um, I was, like, that's what I want. That's and they beautiful. just start out there. Yeah. So I'm just going to create them myself. Yes. <laughs> Fuck yes. I want that, too. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Uh, so I'm very glad to see them beginning to populate the planet and all the happy women, (laughs) but yeah, I really, um, just having more tantric lovers. That's, that's my desire. Mm. And lastly, if you could go back in time and give a younger version of yourself a piece or two, you can pick multiples if you want a piece of sex advice, what age would you pick and what would you say? Hmm. So let's see, I think, you know, even back to middle school, I remember that's when my sexual shutdown really began. Mm. Uh, and that was when my sexuality really started to come to life. And I quickly got the, uh, the social and the religious programming of this is not okay. This is not acceptable. You need to hide this. You need to shut this down. Uh, and you know, it's hard to say that I would go back to myself at that age because at that age, you're still in survival mode. You know, you're very dependent on the adults around you. And so you kind of have to just go along with what they say in order Mm -hmm. to survive. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And, you know, but I do wish I could tell her, like, I, I get where you're at with this and I understand you're doing what you need to do in order to survive, but, but know that this really isn't normal. This really isn't okay. And this isn't how you have to survive. You're, yeah. This isn't how you have to live your life. Yeah. Um, and just, you know, be kind of like the reassuring person of like, this isn't forever. Yeah. And, um, hold her in that. Uh, yeah. I love that. <laughs> ah. Would you like to ask me a sex question? <gasps> yes. Let's see. Um, I love how sexually adventurous and fun you are. So <laughs> what would, uh, when did you first experience sex? Nobody's asked me that question in this way before. So I'm trying to actually think about the real, the real answer. I mean, I guess the real answer is I became aware of my tingly lady parts when I was four years old in a car seat that buckled between my legs. Like that was, that's my earliest memory of being like, ooh. And I think I started touching myself around age 10 um, with my fingers. And then I definitely like, there were some books in my parents' library that were very, I I am trying to find this book that I cannot find. It was written by a man and he detailed his 11 lovers in his lifetime. And I remember, I think this is actually such a formative experience for me because I remember in his intro, he was like, so I am, I think he was maybe in his fifties when he wrote it. I could be making that up, but I just remember reading it being like, he's a grown up. And he said, I've had 11 lovers in my lifetime. I know for some people that's far too many and for others it's far too few, but here are my experiences. And so I remember reading that as a fairly, like I think I was maybe in middle school, that's my guess. And I don't know who it was by or what it was called, but I remember that I think, I remember feeling so turned on, not knowing what turned on was and just the context that it gave me, I think, is probably one of the reasons that I am so open and resilient and, like, a lover of sex and curious. So mm. that's that's what I remember. And then, yeah, I, and then I, tr- I tried to hook up with dudes and I tried to lose my virginity and I got, I got a lot of rejection early on. And I, I still face rejection on the regular. And it's funny because lately people are like, oh, like, you have this podcast and this and that. I'm like, yeah, I'm stumbling through because I'm also trying to be as explicit as possible because that I am a woman who when I have a clear frame when I have explicit communication my anxiety goes away and I can relax and so that's like bumping up against a lot of the cultural norms of like let's not talk about it and be sexy like that sets off a fire of anxiety inside my body so you know yeah (laughs) Sarah Rose thank you for being on the show where yeah you're welcome where can people find you so my website is tantricactivation.com. Uh, T-A-N-T-R-I-C is tantric and then activation.com. And yeah, you can find everything there. Excellent. And on Instagram? Instagram is also tantric activation. Perfect.